Thank you. It's good to be here. Although I am, I am a little bit confused by the lack of buckets around the place. If any of you have been and visited us at, at Tumby, you would know that we have a very particular kind of ministry there called bucket ministry. And we've had to engage in bucket ministry a lot in the last couple of weeks with all of the rain. Uh, there was one week in particular where we had people in the service with umbrellas. <laughs> and so you can be praying for us at Tumby. Uh, so as Andrew said, this is, this is the third week in our introductory series uh, on our focus for this year out of Isaiah 54. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. Now, two weeks ago, Kev spoke to us and he opened up the series by saying, it's all very well and good to be talking about spreading out our home, about about building the house, but we need to pay attention on building our own capacity. That we're not going to go further, we're not not going to go higher, we're not going to have greater impact out there unless we allow the Spirit to do deep work in here. And so we need to enlarge our own capacity. And then last week, Andrew spoke to us about the, uh, about the first part of this focus, about enlarging our house, but reminding us that this vision, this focus is always about people. It's always about community. Now, there are those times where uh, that impact on community has to translate into facilities, but that's not the focus. The focus is people. The focus is community. And we dare not think that our Christian walk, that this faith is an individual and isolated faith. It's a collective faith. It's an us faith. And so we are designed for community and we are to live attractive lives that draw others into community. And so this week, I'm going to take the second half of this this focus where we are spreading out our home, sparing no expense. And I want to focus on our homes. What does the Bible say about opening our homes and how might we do that in a manner that is faithful to Scripture? And of course, the Bible has a lot to say about this idea of hospitality and so much so that you you could rightly argue that the Israelites were an unusually hospitable people. Jewish laws and customs were explicit about extending hospitality, about celebrations and about meals shared in homes. Generous and cheerful hospitality, particularly to strangers. It was baked into Israelite culture. Look at this in Leviticus 19. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This was radically unusual in that part of the world in that day and age, to love foreigners as we would love ourselves. And what I think is fascinating is that, that Jesus' own Ministry and the ministry of the disciples depended on this embedded culture. 
when Jesus sent the 72 out in, in Luke 10, he said, don't take any money, don't take a bag with you. And when you come into a town, um, find that person for whom the peace returns to you. Stay there, don't move around and accept the gracious hospitality that is, that is offered to you. And Jesus himself said that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, has no home. His ministry depended on the hospitality that the Jewish culture made possible. And then when Paul was counselling his two young protégés, Timothy and Titus, and he was giving them instructions about how they ought to select leaders, Um, And hospitality was a key criteria to this. He said to Timothy, so a church leader must be a man whose life is is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife, must exercise self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. And he gave Titus the, the same advice. He said he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. And I've got to tell you, having people in my home can be hard for me. In our house, Shelley is the one with the gift of hospitality. I have a gift of discernment. Specifically, it's helping our guests discern when it's time to go home. But although this is a challenge, I can see that hospitality is a faithful response to Scripture. Using our own homes is central and not peripheral to our faith tradition. Jesus' ministry and the spread of the gospel was reliant on people opening their homes. And not only was the home the location of Christian gathering, it was regularly led by women. Phoebe, Priscilla, Jania, Lydia, Mary, Judea, Sintesh and more. If you look at the Acts and you look at the epistles, the growth of the early church was significantly in the hands entrusted to women who were generously opening their homes. Just saying. Anyway, that's, that's kind of what I thought this message was going to be about, an encouragement that we would be people of hospitality Uh, that we would open our homes to one another as a faithful response to Scripture. We We would start a home group, we would join a home group, we would have people over for lunch, we would join the welcome team. And although this kind of stuff can be tough for me, that this is the message. This is the challenge, right? When I started digging into this topic, however, the challenge got a lot harder. And here's why. Hospitality involves a stranger. Hospitality with friends, with brothers, with sisters, is fellowship. And while we are counselled to not give up fellowship together, it's not the same idea that we see in Scripture as hospitality. Hospitality and fellowship are different ideas. This is one of those instances where our, our English language can, can let us down a little. 
the Greek word that we translate as hospitality or as hospitable or as welcoming guests is philoxenos. It is the love of strangers. It is to be a friend to foreigners. This is the challenge. True hospitality involves a stranger. It involves an outsider, a foreigner, an enemy even. Love, friendship, warmth, generosity towards a stranger. This is the meaning of hospitality that we saw in Timothy and in Titus and also here in 1 Peter and in Hebrews. Cheerfully share your home, philoxenos, with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without even realising it. Kindness to strangers, love of enemies, welcoming outsiders. It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? It was kind of at this point where I was going to ask Kev if he could give me a different topic (laughs) to speak on. I want to spend some time looking at the story of Zacchaeus in Luke and see what we can learn about hospitality in this little scene. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he, couldn't, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead, he climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down, was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to, the, to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and he said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house Because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. I want to suggest to you that this is a story of radically ordinary hospitality. It's not just a cute Sunday school story about a funny little man who climbed a tree. It's a dangerous and disruptive story about crossing deep cultural and religious divides in the midst of a simple invitation to share a meal. It's a display of radically ordinary hospitality and it comes with an invitation, it comes with a welcome, it comes with a transformation and it comes at a cost. So let's start with this invitation So here we see that that Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. He's rich and he's short. And it's interesting because if we've just read through the previous few chapters of Luke, we would have seen uh, the, the parable of the rich young ruler. We've just seen the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And we've just seen Jesus rebuke the disciples 
for sending away the children, the little ones. And so Luke has created here in Zacchaeus this this kind of perfect picture of the outsider, a rich little tax collector. Tax collectors were employed by, by Romans to charge taxes and then they made their own living by charging a bit a bit extra, lining their own pockets. And everybody knew that tax collectors were, were corrupt, that they were extortionists. And as far as the religious folks were concerned, tax collectors, they, they occupied the same social strata as prostitutes. He would have been known by a label rather than by his name, just like a thief or an addict or a dropout. He's a tax collector. And then Jesus invites him by name. Jesus extends a personal welcome. He breaks every social convention and he calls Zacchaeus by name. And all the religious people grumble, which is probably a sign that you're on the right track. And the interesting thing here, of course, is that that Jesus invites himself. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your place, not just for lunch, I'm going to stay at your home. And of course, we read this and we know that Jesus is the King of Kings. We know that he is the Lord of Lords, that, that, that the world and everything in it is his. And so in some sense, Zacchaeus is the guest just like the rest of us are. In Jesus' example, these roles become intermingled. Who is the host and who is the stranger in this case? And and there are times for us where the role of host is thrust upon us without warning and how we respond matters. And then there are other times when we are the stranger and not the host. And we're reliant on the generous, cheerful, caring hospitality of others. And perhaps that's even harder. And whether we're the host or whether we're the stranger, radical hospitality crosses boundaries and it comes with a personal invitation. And it comes with a welcome. Look at this. Zacchaeus hurried down and he was happy to welcome him. It was a gracious welcome. It was an eager welcome. And it's interesting that Jesus did not require anything of Zacchaeus. Nothing had to change before Jesus would share a meal with him, only that he would get out of the tree. He was welcomed as he is. Jesus did not demand that Zacchaeus stop exhorting people before he was invited in. Jesus didn't preach to him, he didn't set rules, and he didn't set conditions on sharing the table, the meal table, with him. Tim Keller wrote on Twitter a number of years ago. He said, in the end, we love people into belief. We don't argue them into belief. People are invited and they're welcomed into new life. They're not coerced or argued in. And this is the whole point of hospitality is that you can can belong before you believe. People don't have to look like you or believe like you before you offer a welcome. It's a place of radically ordinary hospitality. It's a place where people can become friends 
before they become children of God. It's a place where it's safe for people to be in process. But radical, radically ordinary hospitality comes with a transformation. Now, of course, in this story, we, we see a deep and a profound transformation uh, in Zacchaeus. He and his entire household are saved. And while there's no promise of immediate salvation when, when we invite strangers into our household, there is nonetheless a transformation. There is a transformation from stranger to guest. There is a transformation from unknown to known. And we dare not underestimate that change. Zacchaeus changed profoundly from outsider to insider, from despised tax collector to son of Abraham. Jesus created an environment of welcome. Zacchaeus accepted, he responded, and he was deeply transformed. I I listened to a book this week um, by Dr. Rosaria Butterfield called The Gospel Comes With a House Key. It's a great title, isn't it? The Gospel Comes With a House Key. Uh, And it's the story um, of how this radically ordinary uh, hospitality led to her salvation. So Rosaria Butterfield was a tenured professor at Syracuse University in women's studies in, in the US. She was in a lesbian relationship. She was a strident LGBTQI activist. And she was scathing in her commentary about evangelical Christians. Her, her testimony that she gives in, in this book, and if you, if you listen to her online, uh, it's not normative. It's not meant to be prescriptive. It's just her story. She had written an essay titled The Politics of Hatred. And in that essay, she was deeply critical of evangelical gender theory and of conversion therapy. Um, And as a good academic, though, she says that she reads all of her hate mail. And she got plenty of it from Christians. One letter from a pastor... Pastor Ken, it stood out and it stood out because it was kind. The letter gently but in an academically robust way, he spoke her language. In a robust way, he challenged her to defend her position and she was intrigued. And even more than that, the pastor and his wife offered that this conversation might continue over dinner in his home. He extended an invitation to a stranger, to an enemy perhaps, and thinking that this would be good for her research, uh, Rosaria accepted the invitation And she writes in her book, and this is interesting, she writes how nervous she was sitting in the pastor's driveway about to have dinner with the enemy. And the pastor and his wife, Floyd, they were so welcoming that they became friends. They never mocked her. Instead, they spoke frankly. They spoke intelligently. 
They spoke openly and respectfully for more than two years. The pastor gently opened the scriptures in the course of that relationship without a sense of preaching, without a sense of agenda, just letting the word speak for itself. They didn't ask her to church. She was adamant that she wouldn't have come if they didn't. She says, they just let me be a person in process. And Rosaria Butterfield came to Christ through radically ordinary hospitality and it's incredible transformation and a, uh, it, it's a fascinating listen or read. I recommend it to you. But radically ordinary hospitality, it comes at a cost. There was a cost to Zacchaeus to host Jesus. Uh, it cost him time. It cost him money. Uh, it perhaps cost him reputation. It cost Zacchaeus something just to scramble up that tree and open himself up to ridicule. It cost Zacchaeus something to invite Jesus into his own mess, into his own brokenness, into his own corruption. Hospitality costs us something. What Zacchaeus did not know, of course, is that there was a cost borne by Jesus to welcome Zacchaeus into the family of God. The hospitality of God towards each of us came at cosmic expense that we will never understand. While we were still sinners, while we were still strangers, still enemies, he welcomed us as friends. There's always a cost to putting things right. Beyond the normal cost of hospitality, there is a cost to restoring relationship. So to go from stranger to guest is one thing, but to go from enemy to friend, that's going to up the cost. When Zacchaeus saw that a restored life was available to him, that right relationship in his own community was available to him, he showed that he was willing to bear that cost. You imagine the courage. He stood there and he said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Radical invitations, radical welcomes, radical transformations, they come at a cost. And Christ himself generously paid that price to welcome us into the family of God and he spared no expense. And in doing so, he set us an example to follow. He says, now that I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be open to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I want to give you uh, eight ways to practice radically ordinary hospitality. Some are fairly easy, some are not. The first thing is to recognise that there is a difference between fellowship and hospitality. Hospitality requires a stranger, someone that we don't know or don't know well. So invite someone you don't know for a meal. 
And maybe if you're on the receiving end of that invitation, accept the invitation to have a meal with somebody that you don't know or don't know well. Make a meal for somebody that you barely know, but someone for whom that you know that a meal would be of help. Join a home group with people that you don't know. Host a home group with people that you don't know. Or do both. Volunteer on our welcome team, coffee team, morning team, and get to meet everybody. Volunteer in a ministry that welcomes strangers. Maybe open up a spare room in your home for guests to stay, to stay and not just family. And perhaps there's somebody here that's waiting to hear this invitation to pray about fostering. I'll leave you with this from Rosaria Butterfield. She says, let God use your home, apartment, dorm room, front yard, community gymnasium or garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbours and neighbours into family. Let me pray. Oh, Father God, I give you thanks that this is what you are like. That you offer us hospitality in, in the biggest and truest sense of the word. You enlarged your house. You spared no expense. You invited us in while we were strangers and while we are enemies. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would do the work in us, do the work in our hearts, such that we might resemble you, grow our capacity to show and to extend love for strangers, that people that we might otherwise not. And Lord, we ask that you would create the opportunities in our day to do that, that you would bring those people across our paths and that you would spark our hearts to resemble you, to love strangers to welcome strangers as friends, as neighbours, to welcome neighbours into family. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.